One of the things which I have found to occupy my time in retirement has been to renew my acquaintance with Chester Cathedral. Over 60 years ago, I went to the King's School, then moved from its cramped quarters in the cathedral, where it had been since its foundation in 1547, and relocated in splendid new premises opened by the Queen Mother just before I arrived in 1960. Strangely enough, a decade later, I was able to see her opening new buildings, this time the rank building at Wesley House on Jesus Lane, Cambridge, as I looked out from my digs at number 36. Like the cherry tree that they had lost in the rebuilding, she was dressed in shocking pink. But back to Chester Cathedral. I decided to volunteer as an honorary chaplain, part of the welcoming team, to greet the hundreds of visitors who normally flock to this wondrous abbey church of over 900 years old, which became a cathedral in the Reformation. My school then, nearby, was a product of Henry VIII's despoiling of the monasteries, a school formed for 24 poor boys. 400 or so years later, I entered the school on a free place in a then direct grant school, now independent, and was grateful for this minor reparation for the terrible destruction of much of the medieval fabric of English Christianity. Being a chaplain at the cathedral involves what one person at college once called, in those pre-safeguarding days, loitering with intent. That is, hanging around, looking as if you might want to chat to someone if they felt the need to ask a question or make a comment on anything from how old is this church to can you bless my rings, Father? It's something my ecumenical and aesthetic experience in Rome has qualified me well for. Having been a prison chaplain and in higher education too, it is now good to be able to relate to a wider cross-section of the British and international society. I remember Anthony Zerko of the BBC Correspondent in the USA coming in at the time of our last general election. I had a fascinating discussion on the relative state of British and American politics. But these are diversions. One day when not so busy and on my peregrination of the cathedral, instead of looking up and reading all those memorials on the walls, I looked down beneath a stack of chairs in the south aisle and my eyes lit upon a word. Beckwith. What if? My curiosity was aroused. Could this be the relative of THE Beckwith? that I'd heard so much about. The gravestone merely records this, that Georgiana Beckwith died June the 10th, 1832, aged 19 years, and then Major General William Henry Beckwith on 17th of March, 1844, aged 78 years. Through the internet, remember that most researchers have had to use online tools in the lockdown period, I was able to confirm my assumption, given the obvious military connections, that William Henry was indeed related to John Charles Beckwith. Charles was his nephew and executor of his will. From that will, a transcript of which can be found by a Google search, 
and from notes by a local history group researching the gravestones of three of his daughters buried in a country churchyard near Great Malvern, Gualford in Herefordshire, I discovered the following family information which links them to the Chester area. There were five daughters and a son. John Ferdinand, born in 1824, the year after the last daughter Sophie, born to the marriage of William Henry Beckwith and Sophia his wife. Before the father's death the family moved around, reflecting no doubt his career as a military man. Charlotte, the eldest, born in Ireland in 1808, when her father was already 38. Elizabeth II was born in Scotland around 1810. Jesse Henrietta was born in Tullamore, Ireland in 1812. Georgiana, who figured, features on his gravestone, who predeceased him, was possibly a victim of the cholera epidemic of 1834. She must have been born in 1813, but I don't know where. Two further children, Sophie, born in Scotland in 1823, and John Ferdinand in 1824, may indicate, I think, a second possible marriage. Sophia Maria Joanna, née Ewing, his surviving wife, was born around 1784, so that makes her 18 years his junior, and I think possibly born in Scotland. The paterfamilias forming the family connections was Major General John Beckwith, 1712 to 1787, born in Yorkshire. He fought in the Battle of Minden in 1759, the Annus Mirabilis of the Seven Years' War, defeating the French. All five of the sons born to him and Janet Ney Wishart of Edinburgh served in the armed forces. John, the eldest, born 1751, served in various regiments, ending up as a lieutenant colonel in Nova Scotia in the provincial militia. He married the sister of the local judge and politician, Sir Brenton Halliburton. It was their son, John Charles, born 1782, who was born in Halifax, Nova Scotia, who also joined the armed forces in 1794. Was William Henry the uncle, perhaps, who gave the then 12-year-old Charles Beckwith the Bible to take with him when he sailed from Halifax, Nova Scotia to Britain to join the army? Was this the beginning of the evangelical encounter which sustained him on his long military career ending in 1820, having by then lost his leg heroically in the Battle of Waterloo? The other brothers, too, had distinguished military careers. Sir George, born 1752, was a general in the American War of Independence and the Peninsular War. He ended up being governor of Bermuda, St Vincent and Barbados. He is interred in Marylebone, died 1823, and if it is the old churchyard of the parish church, then he might lie close to Charles Wesley. I must look the next time I'm at Methodist Church House. His younger brother, Ferdinand Amelia Fairfax uh, Beckwith, born 1764, was a brigadier general, also interred in Marylebone. He died in 1805. 
Next was Sir Sid Thomas Sidney Beckwith, who served in the British Army in India, Ceylon, and in Europe and the Americas, as Assistant Quartermaster General in Canada, and moving latterly as Commander-in-Chief in Bombay in 1829. He died there two years later of the fever. And so we come to William Henry Beckwith, born 1776, who we know only to have been born in foreign parts. We would have to delve deeper into his father's military service to see where the family might have been stationed that year. We know that he served in campaigns in the Caribbean and in the European theatres of war, including Ireland. Remember Vinegar Hill? By the time of writing his first will in 1838, presumably now retired from military service, he was living in Cheshire, with a townhouse in the Abbey Square in the shadow of Chester Cathedral, but also living in Great Neston, ten miles away, in the Wirral, in 1841. Very close to Park Gate, the place of disembarkation still for Ireland. He left in his will the Abbey Square house, with all its goods and furniture, to his wife Sophie, and £200 of stock. To his dear nephew, Lieutenant Charles Beckwith, £100 of stock, and to his other two executives, £50 each. Charles and the family solicitor were to hold monies on trust for his wife, amounting to about £12,000, and for his children, about £9,000, to be divided five ways. There was a separate bequest for his eldest daughter, Charlotte, who was by then married to an Anglican clergyman. What caught my eye was the final clauses about his son, John Ferdinand, who was, I quote, recommended to the watchful care of Charles Beckwith and Philip Graves, the family solicitor, and the attention of his cousins Charles and Henry Ferdinand, of whom I hear well, to look after him and left to the mercy and protection of our great and kind Lord and Master, Jesus Christ, for then he will never want a friend. By the time of the codicil of 1841, Charles is now a colonel. Much remains to be researched when I can get to London and Cambridge and find the time to do further research. But I hope that the work done on Charles's uncle, William Henry, reveals the military networks of which he was so deeply a part and the deep Christian faith which may have led him to send the Bible to the young Charles and to entrust his own son to his tender care after his decease. And just look what a mighty work God had in store for that great man to help the Waldensians. <laughs>